It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. Connacht have been beaten by Benetton. Away from home. Alan Deegan, hello. Hi, Rob. Not a good night for Connacht Rugby for multiple reasons. I'll give you three. One, they lost the game. Two, Dennis Buckley got injured after 30 seconds. And three, Abraham Papali got another red card. No, not a good night, Rob. And uh, one that leaves you with a hell of a lot more questions than answers. The voice of William Davis, because I feel like I didn't introduce him there when I drew that to him. So, uh, hello folks, and welcome along on our conversation on this game. What we want you to do is let us take you on a quick journey. Before we even speak again, it's going to be like Alan's midweek presentation here. It's like, said hello to the people, let's get into the audio. I definitely think you'll want to hear from Connacht themselves afterwards. Andy Friend and Tom Daly spoke to me after the game. You might even hear a little bit from Lindy McKenzie asking a couple of questions as well. Andy, um, this roller coaster of a season continues. Yet another kind of disappointing follow-on from a brilliant performance the previous game. We're lucky, yeah, yeah, mate. We're up and then we're down, and we're up and then we're down. So again, another frustrating performance. I just thought um, we're our own worst enemy out there today. We couldn't build phases. A lot of error. Got caught up in a game that we didn't come here to play. Uh, thought our forward pack worked really hard, but uh, at the end of the day, mate, we we come away from this game heavily beaten by Toledo side. The Papa Lee red card, it's awful to have to jump on the negative, but like that's what everyone's going to take away. I mean, the defeat is one thing. Benetton were fired up. These things happen, but it's going to leave a real sour taste. Uh, your thoughts on it? Well, there were two real sour things. The first one was Dennis Buckley, 32 seconds into his 200th game. Uh, yeah, has a has a pretty significant injury, so I was gutted for him. Um, that didn't start our day well, and then... You know, top and tail at the end of it, you get Abraham going off with a red card. So um, it is frustrating. Um, let's wait and see what happens with it. The breakdown where Dennis Buckley got injured, you know, it's just something we discussed in the commentary. It's something we'd be frustrated about, that it seemed quite dangerous how he was pulled in that situation. I don't know. What's your impression on that? Yeah, again, I, I just think... You know, one of the one of the things that World Rugby's tried to do is reward the jackler early. Like Dennis was on that ball, in my view, he was clearly on the ball. Um, a man comes in from the side, and Dennis then cops cops the injury. So yeah, that was frustrating. I think World Rugby's on the right path with trying to make sure we're protecting jacklers. We have to do that. Um, and in that instance, unfortunately, uh, he copped a bad one. Just to swing back to Papali, did you get a look at it? How do you feel about it at the moment in terms of what the referee decided? Yeah, I thought it was a shoulder on a head, so you can't do that now. Um, Abe's worked really hard on getting his body height down. Uh, and, and I think on the whole, he's been very good with that. But there today, uh, again, made an error and uh, he'll pay a price for that. And finally, like the game, very similar pattern to the previous game against Benetton. Connick just struggled to get their game right. A lot of kicking from Benetton. But we were saying we knew this was coming. You knew this was coming. Why do you think you weren't able to impose your game on Benetton? Yeah, I just thought, and you're dead right, we did know it was coming, Rob. We knew exactly the way they were going to play. But I didn't think um, we managed their kicks as well as we needed to. I thought we made some simple error whether it was our return kick or whether it was a knock-on or whether in, in our in our uh, face shape when we're trying to play, um, you know, get, getting turned over ourselves. I thought our set piece worked really well, shy of our scrum. We had some issues there. Um, but I thought our, our line-out was outstanding. Our line-out defence and attack were both outstanding. Um, but, you know, we, we made too many other errors, mate. So uh, 
disappointing night at the office. Tom, just quickly, um, you know, you had the chance after half time. You took it brilliantly. You must have felt you were in a good position. For for it to have gone like that from there must be really disappointing. Yeah, but I think Friendly said it all there. It's just a, a overall really disappointing performance. Um, I think he said it, Friendly said it as well. Just it's up and down and it kind of was like that in that game as well. We had some really good patches and then we kind of just let them into the game with silly errors and breakdown and stuff like that. So yeah, just overall very disappointing. We probably put ourselves in a good position after halftime, as you said, and we just weren't good enough on the day to, to finish the job. So yeah, very disappointing. Just in contrast to Tom and Park, Tom, is, is there a fear factor when you're playing an opponent that are favoured or is there an intensity drop-off do you feel that's happening in a game that maybe Connacht are favoured as opposed to being the underdog? Uh, probably just the consistency is something we need to work on as a whole. I don't know if it's to do with the opponents or not. It's just uh, we seem to have some really, really good performances and then others we're not, we're not as good. So it's probably something we're going to work on obviously next week and leading into next year as well. So it's, it's a big work on for us. You built a good partnership with Sean O'Brien. Did you find tonight that maybe you just didn't have the rhythm with Bundy or how do you feel it went alongside him? No, it's, it was grand. I've trained with Bundy all week and he's been training with us the last uh, six weeks. It's not like he was on holidays, so he's been in around the place. But uh, yeah, Sean, he was great for the, for the six weeks and Bundy obviously needed the game time as well. So uh, I just said it to Bundy after, uh, after the game there. I don't think we barely touched the ball in the second half, so I don't think it was anything down to combinations or anything. It's just we didn't really hold on to the ball that well. So that's, that's the disappointing part. You went out there knowing what Benetton were going to throw at you, but what do you account for the, the amount of mistakes and individual errors that were that were made today? Yeah, Lindley, great question. I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. That was the frustrating thing because some really uncharacteristic ones from, from players who've been very consistent, and whether it was a simple knock-on or a missed kick, a kick out on touch, a drop ball, or just a poor decision to, you know, poor option-taking um, so we had the combination of all of those. Uh, listen, I'll put it down to that sport. Sometimes things fall your way and, and people make the right decisions and other times they don't. It has been a long old season. Um, but we, we wanted to be better than that and we should have been better than that. I know, uh, obviously, with, with Dennis having to go off, what sort of contribution or how did that uh, hinder, your, hinder your, your, your game? Well, we knew the set piece was going to be tough and... and uh, yeah, we picked Dennis and Finlay there um, because we we know from a scrummaging point of view uh, they're very very they're very very good and very powerful in that area. So, you know, to lose him after 32 seconds um, <laughs> throws a bit of a curveball at you. So, uh, yeah, I think my biggest disappointment there was just for Dennis. You know, it's, it's, it's he's only the third man in Connors history to get to 200 games, and um, you know, to come off after 32 seconds was was hugely uh, unjust for him and. I did say to him, I said, you will be able to tell your grandkids, oh, you, in your 200th game, you, you didn't make an error, mate. You only had, you had 100% positive involvement. So that's one plus. When, it, when you look at Benetton, there must be some part of you that says, I know you're hurting at the moment, but some part of you that says, well, you know, bloody well done, Benetton, from where you've come from, where you've come from, and to, to, to you know, record this four, four games out of four in the Rainbow Cup for something to congratulate them. Yeah, without a doubt, I said that to their coaches after the game. You know, it's they're a great club. Um, they had a lot of things didn't go their way during the the Pro 12 or Pro 14 that ended up with 12 teams. But um, yeah, they didn't get a win there. But they had a lot of times when they probably could have and should have got a win, um, but luck didn't fall their way. And and today, I, I, you know, but they've stayed together and they've fought hard and they're sitting there now, four wins from four, and 
got announced during the week that the final is going to be here. So they've got everything to play for. All right, there is Andy Friend. Uh, I'll start with you, Alan. It's an impressive element of Andy Friend's communications that he never shirks a question, never shirks from facing up to a scenario, didn't say, I want to look at the video from five different angles, just said, yeah, that's what it is. Obviously, it's part of how he protects his team, protects his environment as well, because honesty can be a great shield too. But it's always the best way forward, I think. And I think those answers were as, as fair as you could ask from a coach who's just caught in such a disappointing scenario. Oh, I think so. I think that's that's what endears Andy, certainly to me and, and to a lot of the, the Connacht fans, that he, you know, he, he tells it as it is and he takes the rough with the smooth um, and understands that's, that's what life is. And, and, you know, you can't hide away from things and, and pretend things didn't happen when they did. Um, and he doesn't and he gets on with it and it's... It's something of a, you know, it's a slow build to, to, to try and get Connacht to stop bouncing from one end of the spectrum to the other um, with the fantastic display against Munster where they got a few decisions for them with a not such a good display against Benetton where decisions went against them. Yeah. Some of it they're all making too, though. A lot of it. Yeah, but it started going wrong on the 32nd second of the game mm. when Dennis Buckley won a penalty on a jackal and was rolled in a way that World Rugby have been trying to do something about but that didn't seem to come into the decision he went off and they lost their shape in the scrums they couldn't compete Benetton got a, a foothold in the game from that so Connacht's performance got scrappier and scrappier and Treviso or uh, Benetton just did enough to get the game done they got three scrum penalties to win the game in the second half the Papalihi incident came. I was calling for him to get him on. I wanted to see what he could bring. And unfortunately, he, he brought the one part of his game that he, either he can't fix or he sometimes just forgets what he's doing. And that's his third red card. Uh, one of them was last season, but that's that's going to lead to a substantial problem for Connacht. I don't think you can appeal that. Andy Friend certainly didn't sound as if he's ready to launch an appeal. But the whole night went wrong almost from the start. Um, the rest of the performance was scrappy. It was inconsistent. Uh, this was a typical game against Benetton's. No different to the game in February. No different to many games over there. But you've got to impose yourself against them. That's how you beat them. Look, let's, let's be blunt. They didn't win a game in the Pro uh, 14 this season. Their record was 16 games. They lost 15 and they'd one game taken off them because of COVID. They then got a win against Agen, who are also a team that hasn't won a game all season or hadn't at that stage in Europe. They were a bit unlucky in the uh, quarterfinal against Montpellier, who went went on to win the Challenge Cup. And then they've got a little bit of a head of steam up here in the Rainbow Cup. But they haven't brought anything other than what you'd expect from them. Uh, they kick, they get stuck in up front, they make a lot of tackles... Connacht knew what to expect and they just didn't seem seem ready for it and didn't seem to have an answer. They seemed to get panicked very early on. Bearing in mind, they scored in the second minute with a try and they scored in the 43rd minute with a try. They scored, started both halves completely on the front foot and just drifted away. And the second half, they were completely out of it. Yeah, for me, forwards win matches. If you listen to your interview with, with um, Nigel Carroll and he talked about that um, just before the game on... on Friday, you know, forwards in matches and their tight head prop who's heading to Saracens next season, Riccone, played the whole game. 
went through four loose head props on the Connacht side. <laughs> oh, great stuff. there at the end of the game, still dominating. Like, tight heads are one of the best played players in the team, and that is why. If you have a rock of a player like that, and he hasn't played, he's only played four, he's played more for Italy this year than he has for Benetton. Which is a whole lot of problem, and for a whole lot of podcasts. For a whole lot of problem, exactly. But if you talk about Benetton not winning anything in the Pro 14, he's yeah. been there for the last three games. Yeah, and I'll say that, William, just to, just to, just to jump on the back of your point, but, like, it... it it was such a, a surprise to read through that Benetton team when it was announced to look at the quality, to look at the fact that seven of the players started against Scotland in the final Six Nations. They're all young lads, for sure, but they're talented, they're backing them, they're getting experience in those huge games. And they're the guys that Conor O'Shea was working on when he left. Ah. And now Kieran Crowley is going to have them as the international manager because he's just been announced as being the Italian international manager. I think Italy have been it's been a really slow burn but over the last few years they've put faith in their youth and it's now starting to come true and you can build teams around guys like that Ireland do it with Tyke Furlong look at what we're like when he's not playing as again when he is playing Do you know what if if this had gone a different way start with you and uh, William and then I'll bring Alan in if this had gone a different way, I'd just be happy for Benetton tonight. You know, Connacht got their big win last week. We didn't think they had much chance of getting the top spot anyways, and that'd be fine. It'd be just well done. If Buckley hadn't got injured, if Papi Lee hadn't got another red card, but also if somebody, like, I mean, you're talking about the loose head prop situation. It's, I've been scratching my head as to why they went McAllister a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, he struggled. Why did they go with him again when Matthew Burke is available? Obviously, Duggan's been really good. There's been some other decisions as well. Obviously, they went with Conor Fitzgerald and you think maybe they should have went with Jack Carty after his performance. Didn't you see Carty on the pitch and you think, God, they have a problem there. Neither player have form at the moment. Yeah, that that that, that is an issue for them. Conor Fitzgerald seems he's very inexperienced. He's getting he's getting a lot more experience. He looked good against Munster, but he was poor. Yeah, because I think against Munster they had go forward ball. Once once he's put under pressure, his decision making seems to to let him down. He he overkicks, and I mean he actually kicks too far so that the, the chase can't get on it he makes the odd mistake he settled into the game a lot better but if you were playing a stronger side than Benetton you would probably be further behind when he settled I mean, but, yeah maybe but you know what's funny as well is it, it maybe it would be less of a scrappy game and you could you could get him more into his game you know that's the, the quandary of playing do you know what they're like Benetton and Zebra to a certain degree but Benetton I think are better at it they're like Wimbledon used to be years ago in uh, the football league they, they just have a way of playing and you go down you think right we know what they're going to do we've analysed this we know exactly what they're going to do you're 15-20 minutes on the pitch and you're going what the hell is happening here what, what's, what is this they're, they're trying to beat us up then they when they should keep the ball in hand they just hoof it down the pitch and run after it and you get unsettled and Connacht, if you look at the first seven or eight minutes of both halves, barring the Buckley injury, Connacht looked okay. They were getting in, they scored a try. And then slowly but surely, Benetton incrementally seemed to just get on top of you. And Connacht then, when they're knocked out of their their pattern, uh, the, the errors start. The decision-making starts to go. And players get out of position. There was a couple of times today that you know there were passes just being thrown and there was nobody there. And you're thinking... Can you get somebody moving on to the ball? Well, that player doesn't quite know it. They looked a bit confused. And I think that that lack of clear thinking uh, is what has cost them today. And they weren't up for it enough. And they have to look themselves in, in the eye and say, we weren't, we weren't really ready for this game. They didn't see what they were actually 
They didn't see what their end game was. Benetton did. They've ground out a win. They have a huge game coming up now against the Ospreys. Connor play the Ospreys next week can do them a favour by maybe taking them out. They've got to go to Ospreys and win. I don't think they will. And I think Munster will be in the final. And I think that's just from what I've seen from them tonight. I think Ospreys will actually think, yeah, it's all right. We'll handle all that and we'll have a little bit more skill around the park and they'll just find a way to beat them. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that, those issues that you talked about come from pressure. If you're taking the ball going half a foot backwards instead half a foot forward, it changes everything. And that's basically where the issue was. A couple of times you could see Kieran turn around, Kieran Marmion turn around, and he couldn't quite see where Fitzgerald was. And there was one classic point when, when and it was quite pivotal. Bundy had the ball at the back of a rolling mall, and the ref called, you know, use it. And Connacht, the rolling mall, went, went to go forward. And Kieran turns around and he's going, well, who do I give it to now? Because Bundy's in the middle of the, of the, of the ruck. And, and the other players are going, I don't know. And you could see it. It, sort of, it, got, it was near the end of the first half, and it got very out of, out of whack. But that comes from pressure. That comes from the pressure that Treviso were putting, sorry, Benetton were putting on on a regular basis. They didn't miss too many tackles. They were hitting really, really hard. Their pack were were excellent. I agree 100%. But the other thing is Connick just didn't ask them enough questions. We saw that Connick got a free play right at the end of the first half, got into the 22. Benetton had kind of switched off. They gave away a stupid penalty. And Connick just made a mess of it. They just... And then a dreadful attempt at a tap penalty because they weren't on it. And, you know, that's when you have to seize it. That's when you go, do you know what? We're going to get seven points now off you. And you're going to go in at halftime scratching your heads going, how the hell are Connacht ahead? They didn't... They don't... They didn't ask the questions at the right time. Yeah, and look, uh, just to bookend all that, the scrums were pivotal because there were six of them, I think, that led to penalties. So... Even if everything was going well, maybe Duggan's fit and he's backing up at loose head, maybe Burke's in there and proven to be stronger than McAllister, you lose Buckley after 30 seconds. That's a bit of bad luck as well. So skipping the bad luck, control the controllables and Abraham Papali ain't controlling the controllables. No, no, I suppose he's not. But, you know, he did He did try to dip a little bit into that tackle. I don't think he was as upright as the referee wanted him to be or claimed he was, um, but he did hit him with his shoulder on the on the chin. But then there were a number of players who were driving with their head in front of the, their shoulders. On <laughs> That's kind of hard not to hit them. Um, having said that, you need to be tackling lower. Exactly. You, I, mean, I think Alan covered it all there. I mean, he started in a certain place, but he came to the, the key point there. <laughs> Simple truth is... Yeah. They know. They've looked at the videos. They practice it on the field. I don't know how they do it, but that's the way it is. And you can't alter it. You can. Th- there's no mitigation for this that I can see, and I can't see them appealing it because if you appeal it and you lose the appeal, the ban will go up again. That could be a double-figure ban, though, they, because it is. It's on his record. I know it was one this season, one last season. That's a you know it's it's three within the calendar year is really what it's going to boil down to. It's the same offence. I don't know. Does he just forget? Does he? Is it a rugby league thing where you tackle very upright? Oh, but what he's doing, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have looked at that for a second a few years ago. I get why it's. I agree that this has to be done, and agree that you have to have 
discipline to change people's uh, behaviour. I have an issue with the idea that he's going to get the kind of cumulative red card punishment as if he was stamping a guy's head because that's what you're talking about. And I have an issue with that because it's not the same as what Dominic Robertson-McCoy infamously did about four years ago and learned a harsh lesson over it. You know, you're not talking about violence. You're, you're talking about dangerous play. You're talking about something that literally wasn't a penalty 18 months ago. So I don't know if he should be getting something like a 10-game ban. I don't think that fits the whole process. Having said that, I do think he should be getting red cards. And I I do think that if he was getting a a one-game ban the last time, which is what it should have been, a two-game ban, a four-game ban, but not going up to 10. No, and also there was a tackle on Peter Sullivan in at one point where there was a no arm tackle of any sort. And there was no look at it. And, like. no, no and what happened and, and what happened to Buckley? We said it, William, you said in the commentary, I put it down to friend. What happened to Buckley? Same thing. If what happens to Buckley is nothing and what happens with Papali is ten, twelve games on the third time. There's an issue where Peter Sullivan cited. Ask for a sighting. Ask for a sighting commissioner to look at it. Teams will not do this. They just omerta, they stop, yeah. they cite and say we want you to look at this we want you to look at that remember if that happened in the 32nd minute after 52 minutes we Connacht would have been able to bring a replacement player on that's nonsense the captain's challenge is nonsense get rid of the two of them I don't care about the goal line dropout it doesn't seem to have really happened in any of these games I care about it. It's crap, but it's not as it's not as pivotal as the nonsense. I mean, what annoys me about the captain's challenge, just a pointless tangent here, is captains could challenge before. I mean, it's not like they couldn't. They did all the time. They said, referee, have a look at that. Would you have a look at that, please? And referees tended, if they had a good rapport with the captain, to look at it. Anyways, can I make a separate point? Can I make you CEO for a second? I'm just, this is a bit of a tangent here. I think William will like this for a second. But look, this is possibly critical of where Connacht are or certainly just get into the mind of William Ryan right now. William, you're CEO. You've just given Abraham Papali a new contract. How are you feeling right now? Um, you're probably glad that it's a playing incident and it's up to the coaching team to work this out. And that's your defensive coordinator and your new forwards coach. But are you not like thinking to yourself... Oh, did we make a mistake? I mean, we know his power. We know his enthusiasm. We know the players love him. You know, does, and the fans love him. You know, but at the same time, is he not technically, just on paper, I know this is really harsh, but I've got to ask the question, is he not now a liability? Um, he's going to have to look very, very hard at his own game and fix the issue. And I, do, I think he's running out of room. I don't know how you deal with it on a, on a contractual basis, but he's going to miss a big chunk of next season in my view Uh, and CEO cap on you're saying to the management guys uh, you're saying sort this guy out right now now I'm not doing that and I don't know how you do it but they're gonna let's look at Connacht have had four red cards this season Uh, Abraham Babali has had two of them Uh, Shane Delahunt had one in the same game um, for a, a bad challenge which he acknowledged at the time and Jared Butler got a red card for a similar type of situation but the other players have fixed it they haven't been you know they ha- it hasn't been a constant threat for Connacht all season other players have found a way to sort this out so he has got to take responsibility for it and figure out a way Jared Butler very did his best and said well he's the t- one of the tallest men on the field Look, he could be six foot ten or five. Back was straight, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's mean, his knees are bent, and he was slightly bent at the ah, hip. So we did, he did make an attempt high. to bring it down. But we would have been saying two years ago, while we wouldn't have been saying, "Oh, Ricard or anything like it," we would have been saying, "Go lower into the tackle." 
Yeah, but it, another thing he was probably trying to do, which is stop the offload, because there was a which is what they're yeah, offload, which, which is, is where, where the contact. Yeah, this is where all the concussions are happening. Yeah, yeah, and it, it comes from there. Um, yeah, he just has to tackle Lord. No look, question. Look, it's yeah, it's where was the contact? It doesn't really matter after that. The contact was to head. Okay, look, we have to wrap it up, and I guess we have to finish on that kind of negative. It's disappointing. We'll get a chance to wrap the season next week, though. We'll we'll pick it up again. Uh, look, I said in my recent report, Alan, that. You know, conic season is like one of these pink by numbers puzzles where, you know, you stop trying to make sense of it until all the numbers join together and you stand back and have a look at it. Because I've tried that all season. At times I've said, God, they've lost four out of five and they don't seem to be. And then they go and beat Munster. And like, I, I mean, I just couldn't, as I look at my laptop later today and start writing a report, I don't think I could try to contextualize this performance in the season. There's just no point. But at some point, probably starting next week, we will try to contextualize the whole thing. And I'm sure we're going to come out of it going, how could they go from that to this on so many occasions? On so many occasions, yeah. I suppose one part of it, and you, you've said it before, Benetton had more to play for. It's a huge First factor, First of all, they were, they, were, they were playing at home and there was some people there. It wasn't as though the stadium was empty. They did have a small crowd, but yeah. there was some element of a crowd there. Um, they're playing at home. They have a massive thing to play for. They are full of Italian internationals. And I know Italy don't sort of, aren't seen as, as a top team but they've lost 30 Six Nations games in a row I was looking at it today they have but they're pretty bad isn't but, but every time they play it, uh, a, a team that are in the lower echelons of, of yeah, the they're table. consistent in the World Cups they're Absolutely. consistent to winning those games Absolutely. and they're going young as you said so back on your point rugby is a game of small percentages mm. you know really small percentages if you look at the, the Munster game, we put on a great performance, but you could also say that Munster took their eye off the ball a little bit mm-hmm. and weren't as because they'd seen Leinster annihilate us the week before and figured they can do something similar, yeah. especially in Thoman Park. Um, and they, they came down a couple of percent. We went up a couple of percent. And you get a whole different game. This week, Benetton raised their game up a little bit because they know of a real chance of getting a home final. It's a home final if they do get it. Um, and we came down a couple of percent. And, you know, it it's tiny margins all the time I agree 100% I know Connick still had a chance of qualifying but these players are like ourselves they know that the route to the final for them was Munster losing to Zebra realistically because they weren't going to beat them in points difference so while they still tell themselves they want to win and it is a strong point Alan makes like one team had a lot more to play for and we're going to see that next week I mean I just I'm saying it now in this podcast I, I will bet a lot of money that the Ospreys are going to be Connacht next week no matter who Connacht feel because the Ospreys have something to play for and Connacht don't I just cannot see a way that doesn't end up with an Ospreys win maybe a good performance from Connacht can't see them winning the problem is Connacht are not a top team if you look at the th- if you look at Ulster were 14 and 2 Leinster were 14 and 2 and Munster were 14 and 2 in the 16 pro 14 games Connacht were 8 and 8 so they're off the pace on the consistency of winning they don't win enough games if you want to be a top side you've got to win more than 50% of your games and that's the problem and that's I think is part of the inconsistency that's there is that they they win some games and they probably think, okay, we've solved the problem. And then they turn up again today against a side who had more to play for. But Benetton are a limited side. That's, you know, I I don't see them beating Munster or Leinster or Ulster. If they put a decent side out on the pitch, they would have dealt with what they were asked, uh, what, what was asked this evening from Benetton. Connacht aren't there yet. But the inconsistency wears you out a bit winning covers a lot of problems if you can win games and get get to a 14 and 2 or even a 12 and 4 or whatever it is 
that's far better than eight and eight. Yeah, brilliant. When you said that, you just reminded me like Ulster have some issues at times and they covered them up by being consistent and winning and then they're actually going to kick on to another level if they keep that up OK let me finish on this point TG Car Studios Caramila Maka to everyone here all season it's been an amazing 12 months that I don't think the three of us will forget because we've been covering Connacht we've been following Connacht we've been doing this for about a decade and beyond that we've been following them as a group um, and I don't think we've ever experienced anything like this in our coverage just like the rest of the world but just driving out to Ballinahown about 12 times now at this stage maybe 11 times uh, and then getting this incredible setup it's been really really uh, really helpful and it has allowed us to bring you the Connex supporters uh, some coverage and look you won't be there next week but what we know from what we're seeing around the country is you're going to be back with us in the sports ground soon so I just maybe you want to say a final word guys Alan yeah it's just it's been brilliant to be able to cover the game and it's been brilliant to get such high quality screen wow <laughs> I like that one at home um, and, and of course the ref link being the third the third commentator in the game is always huge and, and to have the, all these facilities here for us is fantastic everything we do here is a group and as a team and the work Alan does in the background on, on these games and the work that William does in the background on their home games is critical to what we're about William any final thoughts? Yeah Neil Keaveney is the uh, head of technical here has been a massive help to us as have all his engineers very unobtrusively they've just set us up they were asked to provide something to help us and they've provided it every time it's 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 perfect it's not easy to commentate off television sometimes um I would particularly mention games in Italy where they love their low-angle football camera at work. Shot, at one point, uh, there was a crucial scrum and we were getting a close-up shot of the boots and the socks of the Benetton players. I didn't get to say it in the commentary, but uh, my brain was going, please, just show me some of the rugby. Yeah, it's it's funny and you just have to take what you get and some of the replays... Nice socks. And we're not complaining. We're just saying yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it, it's part no, of it. Our job... Ultimately, in normal circumstances, which are coming back soon, is at the ground to bring the entire atmosphere and event to the listeners at home. And, you know, going forward, that's where we want to be. But second best place in the world to watch a rugby game is here. Uh, absolutely. There's no question about that. It's uh, It's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's been an interesting challenge and it will be good, hopefully in August or maybe mid-August, when Connacht might start playing a few warm-up games, they're not going to have long off, you know. Uh, as I said, I think somewhere else when when the Lions tour uh, finishes, which is on the seventh of August, Connacht will be nearly ready to start their season. It it's not it, it's not as if this thing is going to drift along. We m- hopefully we get some fans in there. They Connacht need fans in that ground. Yeah. It's it's something. Do you, know, do you remember earlier in the season? Sorry, jump in. Do you remember the Glasgow game? There was something raw and raucous about the 200 people that were in there yeah. and they made a lot of noise and that had a big effect it mightn't be any coincidence that was one of the few good home performances the entire season yeah it's it's fascinating it's something they have to get over yes. it's it's a bit of a problem it's great to say yes they're the 13th man but actually you feel now maybe it's a little bit of a crutch for them that they don't they don't switch on they seem to be better away, except this evening and some of the other games. It's just been an inconsistent, consistently inconsistent season. And hopefully we never have another one uh, that's as restricted or controlled like it. You said 13th man. Are we going to have three sin bins at that stage of the game? or no. <laughs> What's going on? No. All right. Sorry, I, sorry I, I'll rephrase that. The 16th man. Yeah, I just, I'm getting confused between red and yellow cards. What sport am I thinking of that has... Uh, American football, maybe? I think they might go 13th. No, they're 12. They're the 12th man. No, you're on, you're right there. Uh, well, yeah, right there yeah. <laughs> That's all staying in. <laughs>
that's it from us folks we battle our way through the highs and lows and so do you with us and we always appreciate it we'll see you in a week we'll see you in less than a week because we've got a midweek show do we ever stop no don't give us money no 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 need just keep taking it for free loose cut it loose break out or nothing changes side